0: At it, finish shot off the post, rebound, score. Paul Connor follows the puck off the iron, puts it into the goal. Live
1: from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com.
2: Broken up from behind, intended for Milano. Two on one for Vegas. saw on the left. Well, Smith got it to him. He scores
0: Okay, so we are both in studio right now. Unfortunately, ran into some technical issues down at the OYO. If you were coming to say hello to me at the OYO, you can still go down there and pick up some prizes. James, our engineer extraordinaire, he is out there until 5 o'clock hanging out at the OYO. Every prize that I had, James now has, and he can sign you up. He can put your name in the hopper, go see James, say hello, go to the OYO. Even though I'm not there, you can still go down and enjoy everything that the oil has to has to offer, including one dollar blackjack tables, North America's largest Hooters, all the fun stuff happening at the Oil Hotel and Casino. But now I get to hang out with Chris Chapman for two hours. Chapman, yo, the Golden Knights won again.
2: Tell me something that uh, might might shock me because that that doesn't. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because I was thinking about it. When they got ready to take this road trip, and the question was asked by Darren Millard, I believe it was at catching up with Chapman. Yep. What would be a successful road trip? Mm -hmm. And I believe you and I both said six points would be successful. I I didn't. I did. I said six points. You might have said six points. I said six points would be a good road trip.
0: I said why? Why not more? Well, they got eight. And I know, I know that I said that because okay, we're we're gonna give a shout out here to Mike, and let me just kind of give you guys a little bit of a rundown on the show. We're gonna have Daryl Evans. Radio color analyst for the Los Angeles Kings. He's going to join us in about a half an hour or so. We're going to talk Jonathan Quick. We're going to talk LA. We're going to talk the race in the Pacific Division. Between Vegas and Los Angeles, I think it's going to come down to one of those two teams. That's going to be the winner of the Pacific Division. So we'll get into that with Daryl Evans in just a little bit. Uh, We've also got one-timers in hour number two. We're going to do our game ratings. Um, Here's the thing. Mike called in before the road trip. And and if you've listened to the show, you know Mike calls every single Monday when we do our Ask the Insider segment. He calls every single postgame show. I love it. I appreciate it. Mike, if you're listening, I imagine you are. Keep doing you. It's one of the highlights of my job. It it truly is. And and let me extend that to every single person that ever calls in. Even if there's a one-liner or a joke, I'm all about it. Please continue to do so, Mike. For sure, keep calling in. But Mike said prior to the road trip, What do you think about six points? And I flat out said to him, why not more? Why not more? And then you mentioned it, Chapman that Darren brought it up. Six points, that's successful. You're one point better than 500 on the road. That's the general rule of what you want to do. But I wanted seven or eight. And the Golden Knights come through with eight points, four straight wins to close out the five-game road trip. And they have created a little bit. The slightest amount of distance between themselves, Los Angeles, and the rest of the Pacific Division. First team in the West to 90 points. I'm telling you right now, this team has been in a different stratosphere since coming back from the bye week and the All Star break. It hasn't always been pretty. You know, last night was probably more difficult than it needed to be late in the game. But the Golden Knights, all they're doing right now is picking up points, and they are pushing and pushing and pushing to the ultimate goal: make the playoffs. And so, when the Golden Knights go out on a five-game road trip, no, the expectation based on what they've done all season is more than five hundred on the road, and they come through. Yeah,
2: it was uh, it it was an impressive road trip because when you look at that the gauntlet, and and yeah, nobody really considers Philadelphia to be a tough team but look they they play hard they play till the end of the game and they they don't quit but the other wins to me the the, the highlight is, is shutting out carolina sure 100% be- because this is a team that i i feel like everyone considers to be really one of the only teams in the east that can kind of hang with the boston bruins i don't know if that's necessarily the case or not but
0: the, we'll get it. We'll get into some news surrounding Carolina. The, the Golden Knights
2: kicked their butt. Yeah. In their building. Yes. Only 10 days after they beat the Carolina Hurricanes here in Vegas. So you know it had to be fresh in Carolina's
0: mind. Captain, they split with Boston. Yes. Right? They swept the season series over Toronto. Yep. They swept the season series over Carolina. First they've time swept, they've ever won in Toronto. They've swept the season series over Tampa Bay. Like yep. the Golden Knights against the upper echelon in the NHL. Their record speaks for itself.
2: They split with the Devils. You know, they 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 played pretty well yeah. against the East.
0: Yeah, you're not wrong. And and not only did they split with the Devils, they take three out of four. You go to overtime, you get, you yeah, get I mean, three points out and, of it. And, and like,
2: let's be honest, it, it was a, a pretty goofy scenario in which they lost that game to the Devils in New Jersey. It wasn't exactly like, they were dominated in that so, game.
0: So, how have they done it? That's something I want to dive into right now. Because the Golden Knights are 13-2-2 since the bye week in the All-Star break. You only lose twice in regulation over the course of four and a half, five weeks. Like, you're doing something pretty pretty good. How have the Golden Knights done it in your opinion, Chapman? Because, like, you look at it, right? You've got five different starting goaltenders. Each goaltender picked up a win in that time span. You've had... Really a lot of fluctuation to the lineup. You you have essentially lost your entire fourth line to start the year to injury. No Nick Waugh, no Keegan Colasar, no Will Carrier, and yet the Golden Knights continue to just go along and win hockey games.
2: Well, for me, it, it, it might be very simple. It starts with a healthy blue line. Sure. I think we, we talk a lot about how good the blue line is and maybe around the league they don't quite get the credit that they deserve.
0: I'm glad you said that.
2: Because I feel like when, when you look at it from from one to six, it's difficult to find a team in the NHL that has a better one to six than the Golden Knights. I mean, the the, the, the reality of the situation is their third pairing would probably be a second pairing on most teams in the league. or Or one of them would probably play in a second pairing in, in, in on, on a lot of teams around the league. Maybe not all of them, but but certainly a, a, a decent percentage of them. Shea Theater being fully healthy is a difference maker. He is, I think, while it's hard to say he's the MVP of the Golden Knights, he's certainly a guy who should be in the discussion for the most valuable player on the Golden Knights because what this team has done since he's come back from injury is is just it's unbelievable, right? You lose Mark Stone during during the All Star break. You're thinking, oh man, you know they 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 had a pretty rough trip to the East Coast, but then they get fully healthy on the blue line, and it's almost like this team is playing as good as they were back in the beginning of the year, and they're doing it without Mark Stone. Mm-hmm. I think it, we 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 have to look at the the production from Shea Theodore and Alex Petrie.
1: weather service in Las Vegas has issued a flash flood warning for southwestern Mojave County in northwestern Arizona, southeastern Clark County in southern Nevada, until 5.45 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, or 5.45 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. At 3.51 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, or 3.51 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Doppler radar indicated thunderstorms producing heavy rain across Laughlin and Bullhead City. Flash flooding is already occurring. Hazard, life-threatening flash flooding. Thunderstorms producing flash flooding. Source, radar. Impact, life-threatening flash flooding of low water crossings, creeks, normally dry washes and roads. Some locations that will experience flash flooding include Bullhead City, Laughlin, Catherine Landing and Big Bend Rec area. Turn around. Don't drown when encountering flooded roads. Most of flood deaths occur in vehicles.
0: I don't need it every game. I love the idea of Nick Haig being the guy on the ice when all heck broke loose in Tampa. I love the idea of Nick Haig going at Corey Perry, Corey Perry going at Nick Haig. I love when there's that element to the game. Now, as a young player breaking in, right? As a young player establishing themselves as Nick Haig has done over the last couple of years, you want in a lot of situations that to come to you. Right, you, you don't want to go out there instigating certain things. You don't want to go out there and mix it up in a scrum to take momentum away from your team. You don't want to be the reason that you give another team life. However, there are going to be pockets in time over the next... 12 or 15 games and certainly in the playoffs where you're going to need emotional response at some point in time. And I think when you look at the golden Knights right now, you get it generally from Keaton Kolasar, right? You get it from Brett Howden, you get it from Teddy Blue. You get it from everybody really in your bottom six. That's something that you'll see. Paul Cotter, probably in the same realm as Nick Hague, maybe assert yourself a little bit more in terms of those emotional scrum type atmospheric types of games, but what I want from Nick Hague in certain situations, because we see him go into that mode where he can handle himself and handle anybody. He fought Nick Felino for crying out loud, and he like, held his own, like Marcus Felino, and 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 held his own, and it was a great fight. Like, I think Nick Hague takes that step with physicality, and and in those scrums where you're trying to bring your team into the fight, and I think that's an element to the game where if the Golden Knights get that on a consistent basis, especially in a seven-game series, all of a sudden, y- you don't want to mix it up with Vegas. You don't want to try to push this team around. You don't want to see what happens when you awaken that type of emotional response from this team.
2: Yeah, he and, he, and he's a guy for for, I think, a large part of his career— at least heading into this season, he was trying to find his game. He was trying to find his role. He, he In the offseason, he put on a bunch of weight. Obviously, he had the contract stuff that needed to get worked out, but he came into camp ready to play. Sure, yeah. And that's a credit to the professionalism of of Nick Hague because even though the contract stuff, it could have been distracting, he didn't allow it to take away from his, his offseason work and what he needed to do, and he's finding his game. I I, I still don't think we've seen peak Nick Hague? Sure. At, yeah, I agree. Because I still feel like there's a lot of room for him to grow. Mm-hmm. But I think we've seen Nick Hague go from a boy who was still trying to to figure out how to be a professional and he's this season turned into a man who has shown he belongs in the NHL.
0: No greater version of that, no greater um way to see it than the Tampa Bay game. Like I yeah. thought that was yep. a phenomenal showing for Nick Hague. Now, you think it's defense, like that's where you start with, right? 13, I, start, two and two, you go, I start
2: with, with having a, a healthy Shea Theodore and a, a healthy Zach Whitecloud to go with the other guys who, who are fully healthy.
0: Okay, I don't disagree with you. To me, it's depth, and, and as much that was my as, second. <laughs> as much as you look at what the Golden Knights have been able to do on the blue line, and I think you're absolutely right. Since they've been healthy on the back end. They're getting out of their own zone a lot cleaner. They're not defending as much. They are having less and less of those issues that they've had earlier on in the season in the second period where they're hemmed in and forced to defend. And, you know, 15, 20 seconds turns into 30, 45 seconds. And all of a sudden you just want to get the puck out of the zone to change. You're seeing less and less of that. And that is a a testament to the Golden Knights having a full complement of their six defensemen. But then you look at how they've been able to win these games. You look at... Contributions they're getting right now from depth pieces. And Pavel Dorofiev becomes, you know, the guy over the last couple of games. Two goals, two consecutive games, his first two in the NHL. Bruce complimentary. Bruce Bruce Cassidy, incredibly complimentary. He, he
2: of, really likes Dorofeev because even he, earlier in the season, he was he was going out of his way to really compliment Dorofeev's game.
0: He was, but but the, the idea that he would lump in Pavel Dorofiev last night. After that win, when you have Ivan Barbashev picking up two goals and scoring eight points in nine games, you have Teddy Bluger on the score sheet, rounding into form for the Golden Knights, that you would go out of your way, as Bruce Cassidy did, to talk about Pavel Dorofiev, his game, how it is translating alongside William Carlson and Riley Smith. It's another inside player. Pavel Dorofiev over the last two games, has scored his goals from
2: where? Inside the blue—well, inside—in in, in front of the goalie. Right
0: in front of the net? Yeah. Right in front of the net. And so if you've got that from Dorofiev, and you've got that from Ivan Barbashev, that's two lines, right? You get it from Teddy Bluger and Brett Howden, that's three lines. All of a sudden, you start to look at this Golden Knights team as a team that can score in different ways. I'm not just talking about balance in that you're getting goals from all of your lines throughout your defensive core. I'm talking about balance and how you can attack. It's not just on the rush anymore for the Vegas Golden Knights. They can score on rebounds. They can score by being hard to play against and getting to the front of the net. That's the most important thing for me because that's how you've got to be that's how you've got to score in the playoffs. And the Golden Knights are adding that element to their game and it's allowing them to win these close, tight playoff type of games.
2: Well it's 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 kind of funny you mention that because over the course of the last two weeks, basically since the trade deadline, the Golden Knights have lost some pretty key contributors. They've lost Nick Waugh. they've lost William Carrier, and now they've played multiple games without Keegan Kolasar, mm-hmm. As you mentioned when we first started this, the, the loss of the, of the of the fourth line. Yeah, but they're getting contributions from guys who weren't on the roster a month ago. Sure, we we saw Pavel Durovayev, but he 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 got hurt. And he was out, and all of a sudden, last two games he's in, he's scoring goals. Teddy Bluger, acquired at the deadline, or the day before the deadline. He goes out, and he scores a goal last night. Sure, Ivan Barbashev. I think when I looked at that move, I was like, yeah, I, I, I wonder what they see in him. Mm-hmm. But when I read Kelly's comments about, well, they've been scouting him for a long time, they knew exactly the type of player that they were getting, and they knew that he was exactly the type of player that they wanted. Two goals last night. I mean, he has been
0: he has been phenomenal. Four goals, four assists, eight points in nine games. He's I've been, been so, so good. So that brings me to my main point. Do you feel like the Golden Knights are getting the recognition nationally that they deserve?
2: I don't believe they are. And I, I think... There's still a lot of people mm-hmm. who look at what happened at the end of last season and with the with without Mark Stone, and sure. and they they still don't believe that this team can go out and and do when it, when it matters the most without Mark Stone. And, and I feel like it, it it hurts. A, there's the whole most of the eyes are asleep by the time the Golden Knights are playing their game, sure, yeah, which is nonsense. It's like it's your job to watch. The NHL. So you're you, fired up right you, now. You shouldn't be sleeping because puck drops at 10 o'clock. You know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, look, we 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 clearly have a huge advantage here on the West Coast because we can watch games pretty much all the time when mm-hmm. they're on. Mm-hmm. There, there's no sleeping excuse for us, except when they play in, like, Sweden or Finland, and that doesn't really count because they do that in, like, October. But okay. I I think there is a, a, a disrespect element here. I don't think they got the credit that they deserved by beating Tampa. Mm-hmm. I don't think, because the the, the story goes, oh, well, Tampa's in a tailspin. Then there's, well, Carolina got waxed the following night mm-hmm. after Vegas waxed them. So, so they're, may-
0: just, they're just not playing. Well. So
2: maybe yeah. they've just hit a slump. have ah, Philadelphia, they stink. <laughs> St. Louis, <laughs> they packed it in. See, but when they when they played Florida, who's got something to play for, they they, they, they struggled. Yeah, I, I it, it, it's it's a head scratcher for me because this team has played so well since, and I'm going to include the Islander game
1: mm-hmm.
2: because I feel like that's when they found their game. But I I, I it, it kind of bothers me that they don't get. The, I I don't feel like I think they're now fourth in the power ratings, mm-hmm. but that's probably. Pretty close to where they should be, but it's taken, it's taken the national media a while to get there with this team.
0: Listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that if, you're, if, you, if you have Vegas fourth, which is where they're at right now in, in terms of overall points in the NHL, if you have them fourth, that's fine. What I'm talking about is the Western Conference. What I'm talking about is this idea that the West is Dallas's or Colorado or, to an extent, Los Angeles. Or Edmonton because Connor McDavid is doing Connor McDavid things. Like, my thought process in all of this is the West was wide open. The West was wide open. And what Kelly McCrimmon did at the trade deadline was he went for depth, he went for a different kind of player in different areas of the lineup and supplemented a position. That is incredibly important down the stretch and into the playoffs. What what you do at that situation is, everyone's thinking about the big play, right? Everyone's thinking about the big name, the guy that's going to move the needle, so to speak. Well, they didn't get Patrick Kane. The sky is falling. They didn't get Patrick Kane. They didn't get Timo Meyer. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's over. The it's sky I, is falling. It's, it's Ivan Barbashev and who? Teddy Bluger. Yeah, who? And it's
2: Jonathan Quick. Create a player, and listen, Teddy Bluger. I'll,
0: I'll be honest. I cannot wait to have the conversation with Daryl Evans about Jonathan Quick because I was very vocal. I was very vocal on Twitter. I was very vocal on this program. If there's any one goaltender in the world that is going to come to a new situation and find the motivation to bring his game up, it's Jonathan Quick. And he's been exceptional. He's been everything the Golden Knights have needed him to be. And by golly, they've needed him to be just as good as he's been. But you can win a wide open Conference. You can win a wide open division, not by going for the big name, not for going for the big fish. You can win it with depth because when you end the season, if you're fortunate, lucky enough to be one of the final two teams playing, what are we usually talking about there, Chapman? When, when you talk about Tampa... When you talk about Colorado, when you talk about teams that have won the Stanley Cup in the past, especially those games where it matters most, those close-out games. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the Brandon Hagels. We're talking about the Blake Coleman's. We're talking about the players that are down your lineup making an impact on a night-to-night basis because if you're lucky enough, you've got superstar players against superstar players are going to cancel each other out. This ideology for me at the trade deadline was about making this team playoff ready, making this team harder to beat over a seven-game series. And you've done it by addressing depth, and you've done it by addressing different ways to score. That's what Ivan Barbashev is. That's what Teddy Bluger is. That's what Jonathan Quick's addition has allowed the Golden Knights. And you get yourself into a position where you're in the playoffs— it's going to be harder to beat the Golden Knights because if you shut down Jack Eichel, you're still going to have other options down your lineup that can make an impact.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny because I, I was actually thinking about that a, a, a little bit today. And I'm like, you know, when this team gets healthy, when you get Keegan Colasar back, sure. when you get William Carrier back, yeah. when you get Nick Waugh back, guys like Brett Howden Guys like Paul Cotter and now even Pavel Durafeyev, they're telling Bruce Cassidy, I'm not coming out of the lineup. You're going to have to pull me out of the lineup. You're going to have to tackle me on the ice after practice to tell me I'm not playing tonight. Because those guys have all, I I, I feel like they've all kind of gotten the message that, hey, you know what? These guys could take my job. I want to be playing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be up in the press box with Chapman and Wallace and Darren and and whoever and and.
0: Well, I'm, I'm not in the press box. Well,
2: you're close enough. You're no, on. No, you're, on you're on. You're on the close flight deck. Enough at all? They, what are you they don't. About? They don't want to have to bump into me getting some peanut MMs. They don't want to see me with, They don't want with to the, see
0: you at the popcorn. They angle. don't want to
2: see me with the purple coat and the <laughs> Kangol hat. And they have you, to see you, me getting popcorn. Do you
0: wear the Kangol hat
2: often? Oh, once in a while, yeah.
0: Not not ballpark it how many times a season?
2: Probably four or five.
0: Four or five? Yeah. You don't, you don't go to it that often. It's,
2: it's, it's not my go-to. No, I, I usually wear the newsboy hat, but I, I rock the Kangle. See, the problem is now it's get it's going to work when we're going to get to a point where it's a little too warm. Yeah. So I can't really wear the Kangle hat because it's made out of wool. Are you always in a hat? Pretty much, yeah. Why? Well, because I got the skullet going on I got the old Guy floor hair, so, where, where I'm balding up top, but it's long in the back, and I would prefer to wear the hat so I don't have to shave my head.
0: Wh- wh- why not just change your haircut?
2: Well, because I I, I, I want to grow it long. I, I want to grow it as long as I possibly can before it all falls out.
0: Okay. Has that been <laughs> like a, a lifelong dream for you? No. Well, I've always wanted
2: long hair, and sure. I just have never really had the the confidence i guess to just grow it long so what changed now i don't care anymore
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're just going to continue to grow it until it stops
2: until my wife decides to shave my head in the middle of the night yeah
0: how close do you think she is there
2: she she said if i lose weight i can keep growing it so i've been hitting the gym i've lost a few pounds so i got i got to keep going and
0: is there like a like a desired weight loss that you have to hit in order to
2: i i would I, i'd have to lose at least 20 pounds
0: Okay, all right. I mean that's that's worth it. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because if I if I lose like twenty pounds, then I can I, I ideally I'd like to grow it to like down past my shoulders.
0: Why? But why though?
2: Because I've always dreamt of being like a in a hair metal band. Okay. And do you play an instrument? No, I I, I don't play an instrument. I play air sing? guitar. I don't sing. I, I do karaoke.
0: So, so, hold on. Let me, let me get this straight. You're growing your hair out because you've always wanted to be in a band. A hair, a I, hair I, band I literally band.
2: just made that up on the spot. Oh, okay. But. All right.
0: All right. I, I thought you were being honest with me, but apparently that's not the case. So, tangent about your hair, we'll, we'll set that aside for a okay. moment. Like, I, I don't think the Golden Knights are getting enough recognition for what they've done this season. I don't think they're getting enough recognition for what they've done since the bye week and the all-star break, especially in light of the injuries they've incurred in that time. And yet they still keep winning. I don't know what it's going to take. I genuinely don't know what it's going to take for this team to get the recognition that I believe they deserve throughout this season. Like, they start the year 13-2, and two, they go on this ridiculous run right now, 13-2-2, two two, when everyone's trying to round in a form, when everyone's trying to tune their game up for the playoffs, everyone's making a push, points are incredibly important, and the Golden Knights just keep going about winning, and the biggest takeaway for me is that I believe there's another gear. I believe there's another level that this team can get to. You mentioned the Carolina game that you did the radio pregame intermission and postgame for that was a clinic from the Vegas golden Knights in how to play the right way, how to be patient in the system and allow the opposition to kind of bang their head into a wall, make mistakes and then pounce on them, make them pay in those moments. And I've, feel like if the Golden Knights are able to get to that game consistently, night in, night out, for 60 minutes, with the new balance that they have, with the players they've brought in, with the uh, attacking nature in not just rush chances, but also creating offense inside the zone, I think a lot of people... Are sleeping on this Golden Knights team, how good they can be and how much damage they can do in the playoffs.
2: Well, it's it's because of the depth, right? That 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 they're gonna be in that position. Because I I, I think the moves that they made, they were they were, I don't want to say low-key, but they certainly addressed an issue. And Obviously, Kelly McCrimmon had a lot more information than, than anyone in the media did as far as the time frame for certain players coming back from injury. But even the Jonathan Quick move, mm-hmm. I felt like because we had heard that, that they had spoken directly with Los Angeles and they couldn't come to an agreement on compensation or, or whatever. But yet Vegas still was able to go out and get Jonathan Quick and it cost them nothing. I mean I I feel bad saying that cuz Michael Hutchinson is, is is a person so obviously you know there there's that aspect but but in in terms of I mean Michael Hutchinson was probably never going to play for this team. Well to be fair, Michael Hutchinson's
0: playing games in the National Hockey League right now. Yeah.
2: So and, so they gave up an NHL player and a 7th round
0: pick. And so what you what you establish in that moment, right, is you bring in a goaltender that has more experience in dealing with the rigors and the pressure of a chase to the playoffs.
2: A guy who knows how to do it.
0: A guy who like he knows how to win, right? He yeah. knows how to win. And as much as we sit here and talk about numbers and, and listen, I've done it before, trust me. But I've also seen Jonathan Quick engage in that mode where he's just unbeatable.
2: And unfortunately for me, I've seen that too.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, that's fair. It worked out well for me. It didn't work out no, well for No, it didn't you. work
2: out so well for but, me.
0: But the fact of the matter is, like, motivation's important, right? Like, You look at it from Jonathan Quick's perspective, and, and I cannot wait, as, as we mentioned. We're going to have Daryl Evans on. Uh, he does the radio uh, broadcast for the Los Angeles Kings. Um, Jonathan Quick having something to prove again. He's incredibly important. And I don't know how many playoff games we're looking at for Jonathan Quick. I don't know what the goaltending situation is going to look like. We can dive a little bit deeper into that at 5 o'clock because that's been a common theme that has come up on the post-game show. That's that's something a lot of fans are interested in. When Logan Thompson's healthy, when Le- Loren Brossois and Aiden Hill are healthy, well, what does it look like in terms of goaltending? Who gets the net for the Golden Knights? I don't know what any of that means yet. Because right now, the only two goaltenders that are healthy and available to play are Jonathan Quick and Yuri Patera. And the more runway you give Jonathan Quick, the more opportunity you give a goalie who was never supposed to be the guy in Los Angeles but just came in like a buzzsaw and created the job for himself, took the job and ran with it to the tune of two Stanley Cups and a Conn Smythe. All I'm saying is you give him enough runway, he's going to show you why he is that guy, why he's been that successful, and why he has climbed to the pinnacle of the mountain twice in his career. That's what Jonathan Quick does. That's the experience that you're banking on. And so far, 4-0 for the Vegas Golden Knights. Kelly McCrimmon, George McPhee, the entire front office and this organization and the fans should be thankful that there was the foresight to bring him in and have him solidify the fort for the Vegas Golden Knights. Still got a lot more to get to here on the VGK Insider Show. We're going to come back with Daryl Evans of the Los Angeles Kings radio broadcast to talk a little bit more about Jonathan Quick and the one-two punch between Vegas and LA for Pacific Division supremacy. We're back with more on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
3: We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM.
0: Rolling along here on a Wednesday afternoon, BGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman with you till 6 o'clock. Joining the show now, super excited about this one. Daryl Evans, LA Kings color analyst, joining us. Uh, Hey, Daryl, how you doing?
3: I'm great. How you doing today?
0: Uh, You know, I'm doing well. I'm super excited to have you on the show because I, I know a little bit of time has passed. But one of the bigger splashes at the NHL trade deadline was the Vegas Golden Knights going out, acquiring Jonathan Quick. Um, and I figure who, who better to talk about Jonathan Quick than Daryl Evans. So uh, are, are you at all surprised that through four starts right now with the Vegas Golden Knights, Jonathan Quick is a perfect four and oh,
3: not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Uh, I've watched him play for too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the impact he can have on a, on a hockey game, on a hockey team, uh, to see the, uh, you know, see the record that he's put up. Uh, you know, there's no doubt he's motivated right now. He's, uh, I think he's out there to pr- really prove something, and uh, uh, you know, I think the Golden Knights are, are going to be the you know the beneficiaries of that just because of uh, you know his his competitiveness and uh, his approach to things. So, no, I'm not surprised to see him uh, with the record that he has right now and the success that he's having.
0: When it comes to you know like end goal, right? I mean, obviously Jonathan Quick's coming here; he's got an opportunity. Uh, Now with with some injuries in goal for the Vegas Golden Knights, like how far do you expect him to push this? In in, meaning, could Jonathan Quick starter for playoff game number one work out for the Golden Knights?
3: I really don't see any reason why not. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the the history that Jonathan Quick has had uh, throughout his career, uh, the success that he's had in the postseason, and uh, you know, I think that uh, you know the people in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, you look back at the series that these two teams played. You know, back in uh, in, in seventeen, there. Uh, you know, the way that he performed against the Golden Knights, even though the Golden Knights swept that series against the Kings. Uh, you know, Jonathan Quick in almost five games, I believe, surrendered uh, only seven goals again. So mm. uh, he was he was or me, the uh, you know he he was phenomenal in that in that series, and um, you know I think uh, that, that's what the Golden Knights are looking for for him, for him to do is perform that way uh, you know, to get a taste of that postseason again. And let's face it, uh, this is when uh, players like he, you know, raise their game to the highest level. He likes, to, you know, uh, the stage and the bigger, the stage, the more competitive he gets. So, uh, I think that's what the golden Knights are looking for that, you know, he's going to get himself a good taste going down the stretch here. And, uh, I think he's answered, uh, you know, the, the, the bell early for the golden Knights. And, uh, I only expect him to uh, to get stronger in his position and make that decision that much more difficult on uh, on the on management there.
0: You know, when you when you kind of factor in what Jonathan has meant to the Los Angeles Kings organization, like what was the initial temperature maybe with fans uh, when when he was first traded from Los Angeles to Columbus and then subsequently when he ended up in Vegas.
3: Well, I think the trade to, you know, to, to Columbus came you know, quite a bit of a shock to a lot of people, um, and you know, I think uh, you, you know initially, you know, I think the people in Los Angeles that have followed the team for a long period of time, you know, have seen Jonathan Quick, uh, you know, at at the at the greatest level that you can get to in the way that he performed. You know, going back to 2012 when he won the Consmite Trophy, uh, how well he played in net with a you know one four one goals against average. I think it was a nine forty six eight percentage. He allowed 29 goals in 20 games. You know, he was just, you know, he was in a whole different class, you know, then. And, you know, and then this season, you know, he's had some hiccups through the course of the year, and, you know, he'll be the first one to tell you that, that, you know, he was fighting the puck a little bit. But, you know, I think everybody goes through that, and, you know, he was looking for an opportunity to, you know, to, you know, to right the ship, so to speak. Phoenix Copley came in, and, you know, he got himself on a little bit of a roll, and, uh, you know, I think when the opportunity came for the Kings to make the deal that they made, um, they were really in need of a, uh, a left shot defenseman in the, in Gavrikov that they acquired. I think that was a big piece of the puzzle. And, and of course, because of the contracts and things, uh, you know, goaltending, they were looking for goaltending as well, uh, you know, to solidify, uh, you know, uh, with, with Phoenix. And, um, uh, you know, the deal was made. Now, after him getting moved from Columbus to, you know, to, to Vegas, I think that was uh, another shockwave uh, another uh, shock wave coming at them. Mm-hmm. That you know, all of a sudden he's you know he's down the street, and now you look at uh, potentially with the you know the success the two teams are having right now going down the stretch, top two teams in the NHL with you know Vegas being thirteen two and two since the All Star break, the Kings eleven two and two since the All Star break. That you know potentially these two teams can match up at some point in the playoffs, and uh, you know, I think if that ever comes about, it you know it's a great storyline and it'll make for a great series. Uh, you know, not only with you know, Jonathan Quick being in, in Vegas, but again the, the two teams because I think the two teams are, are pretty evenly matched, and you know they've, they've always had some exciting games, you know, throughout the uh, the history, you know, between the two teams, whether it's uh, you know been this season or in the years in the past.
2: You know, we we hear a lot, or we heard a lot, when Bruce Cassidy was hired that he he runs a very goalie friendly system. I think that kind of sells the goalie short a little bit because the guy still has to play. But how could Jonathan Quick, or how does a goalie like him benefit in a system that Bruce Cassidy runs?
3: Well, I think you look at the personnel that they have in Vegas, and um, you know, there's a, a number of players that you know Jonathan Quick is familiar with. In particular, a couple that he's had playing on him in defense here in, in LA, and in uh, Alec Martinez and Braden McNabb, those are two guys that he's very familiar with. Um, you know, so and then Ben Hutton as well a little mm-hmm. bit, so. You know, you look at that and I think, you know, he's comfortable there. I think, you know, the system that, you know, the Vegas plays with, you know, they're not a team that, I'm going to say, is a run-and-gun type of team. I think they do a good job at supporting their goaltenders. So I think that's something that he can thrive on. You know, I think, again, you know, the change of environment and, you know, an opportunity to, you know, to get, you know, back on the stage where he wants to be is, is, is important to him and uh, I think that's it's a win-win for everybody I think the team gets the best out of Jonathan quick and I think uh, you know he'll get the best of the team because he's such a competitive guy and I think he's got some guys in his corner there and even John Stevens who you know again the coaching staff very familiar with Jonathan quick knows what his capabilities are michael Amadio up front that uh, you know they know what Jonathan quick's about and I think uh, he's an easy sell to his teammates that um, you know that what he's capable of doing so uh, and you know, getting off to the start that he's had, it's mm-hmm. it's been a good one for him, and it's made that sell a lot easier. And uh, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights are, are had sec- success, and as as well as Jonathan Quick,
0: Daryl Evans, uh, Los Angeles Kings radio analyst, joining us here. Uh, let's talk the the LA Kings and, and Jonas Korpasalo, Vladislav Gavrikov. That's the trade. That's who comes back. For Jonathan Quick, uh, Corpus Allos, 3-0 and as a as a member of the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, you mentioned Phoenix Copley. He's had a phenomenal year. W- what's the plan right now in goal? Is it a, a strict tandem going into the playoffs? Then you're, you're going to kind of see who who's the number one guy? Or do you see that tandem kind of pushing into the playoffs?
3: You know, all the conversations we've had with, uh, you know, Kings head coach uh, Todd McClellan, um, you know, even as recently as today, uh, indicating that, you know, right now they're going to they're gonna alternate. He feels that both goaltenders are playing well enough that they deserve that. And they're in a little bit of a rhythm, a little bit of a flow. Their systems are very similar to each other. And uh, from the standpoint of the players playing in front of them, you don't have to make alterations in, you know, in, in the, way that, the way that you play in front of a goaltender. So uh, I expect that to be the case. But, you know, as we've seen, you know, when it comes postseason time, usually, you know, a team will target a guy going down the stretch. Um, you know, Corprasalo's got a little bit more experience, and he's performed well. I thought he had uh, some real big saves last night in the third period, as the Islanders were making a push after the Kings built a lead in the second period. and He came up with some real timely saves. Uh, big presence. Uh, uh, learning a little bit about Corprasalo, he's a little bit more athletic than I, you know, than I, I, I've known him to be in the past. Uh, from you know, the sampling of, of watching him, uh, he's got quick feet. And both Copley and uh, and Corpusalo, like I said, their presence very similar in stature in the net. They do a good job of presenting themselves as large bodies, and they take up a lot of the net. And uh, you know, I think with the system and the way that the Kings play the game, if they're just you know looking for the goaltenders right now to you know make the routine saves, and you know they'll they'll be there to clean things up. They're they're a pretty stingy team defensively. The Kings, when they're on top of their game, and and uh, and again talking to Corpusalo and even Copley, and you know when he came up. Uh, you know the way that the Kings, uh, their system, their style, they think it it really does benefit a goaltender. And uh, you know Korpisalo said he's made it. The Kings have made it very easy uh, to transition and come and play here.
2: Now all three teams have 14 games to to go in the remainder of the season. Vegas, LA, and Edmonton. But Vegas and Edmonton, or Vegas and LA, I should say, have been able to distance themselves a little bit from Edmonton. How have they been able to do that?
3: I think it's, you know, complete team game uh, contributions from different people in your lineup, uh, goaltending, um, you know, from the Kings standpoint, consistent goaltending has really helped out Copley and, and uh, you know, and even now Corpus uh, but even, you know, you go back to, uh, you know, uh, before the trade with Jonathan Quick you know, had a big win in Long Island. That was his w- uh, last win with the Kings, uh, career win number 370 for him and, um, you know they they get that the the team collectively as a group um, prior to the trade um, you know lock things down defensively uh, sticking to the system blocking a lot of shots defensively um, and then special teams uh, you know Kings power play and penalty kill have both been very good uh, since the new year um, power play just went through a little bit of a stretch where you know they they had a little hiccup but they picked up a couple of big power play goals last night and. I think when you look at the record and you figure that they were able to get the job done without the power play, that that's a credit to how well that they're playing. Uh, Quinton Byfield has been moved to the wing uh, where he started the season off at center. He's playing online with Kopitar and Adrian Kempe. They've been very good. Uh, for the most part, they're, you know, they're staying healthy right now. They've got injuries to uh, Fiala and Dersey who are, you know, uh, right now listed as day to day, but uh, won't be available for, for the next game. Um, so, I think it's been collective, uh, you know, a team, a team game. Uh, Drew Doughty continues to be the leader back in the blue line. Andre Kopitar up front. You know, when you have a leadership core like that that have gone the distance. Uh, that really helps, uh, you know, the other guys, the uh, young players. Uh, Adrian Kempe's game's gone to another level. Gabe Lardy has taken his game to another level, and you know, guys like Blake Lazat have uh, you know continued to keep improving. When I look at Vegas, uh, I see a lot of similarities there. You know, you look at the injuries that they've had in goal. Uh, you know, not sometimes not knowing you know, who's going to be playing the next game, and as you know, different guys are coming in and stepping up, and you know, and then uh, you bring in a new body, and Jonathan Quick, and he comes in and off to the start that he's at at four zero and zero. You know, but I think their their defensive game. Uh, they've got a team with a lot of experience back in the blue line. They've got some elite players up front. Uh, You know, Eichel finding his game, Marcia, so who's been there for a long time, Carlson, and you know, it's, it's a good hockey club. They're a deep hockey club, and. They don't rely upon one or two guys. You look at the impact that Amadio's had this year, you know, surpassing a ten goal plateau and contributions from guys like that. And when you get that on a night to night basis, it makes it difficult for uh, for you know other teams to match up against you. And then what it does is when different guys have impacts on results of games in a constructive way, it gives them more you know more sense of ownership and uh, makes them work that much harder. So there's a lot of similarities between the two teams. And I think it would be an unbelievable matchup. If these two teams come together in the playoffs.
0: Should that happen, like who who is it going to be more difficult on Jonathan Quick or say Drew Doughty and Anjay Kopitar, who are still with the Los Angeles Kings and they've gone through everything that they've gone through. They've won with Jonathan Quick. Like it, who 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 has the harder time in that matchup?
3: Well, you know, I think it's 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 equally uh, equally tough in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, you talk about that trio of players uh you know they've they've had such a good relationship brotherhood so to speak i mean basically they spent half their lives together uh their families are incredibly close uh away from the game Uh, their kids do things together and that'll that'll always keep them connected um you know right now there's a separation they play on different teams but you know when it's all said and done and their careers come to an end you know they'll they'll you know they'll reestablish that brotherhood again uh and it'll be just as close as it ever was, but it, it, uh, it it'll be t- it'll be tough on them. You know, there's no doubt that you know you step on the ice and you see the, you see the guys on the other side, and you know I'm sure there's going to be a lot of you know memories, a lot of flashbacks, and things like that. But these guys are professional athletes, and you know this is not the. You know, the first time that, you know, this has happened in their careers, like speaking of, again, the three guys that we just talked about, you know, they saw the fourth member of that, of that group in uh, Dustin Brown, you know, his retirement that they just went through about a month ago and uh, how special that was to them. And you could just see the bond that they have, how close that they are. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they all, you know, care how well each other, are, you know, are still doing, even though they're on, they're on opposite sides right now. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, setting the stage, if that series does come about, you uh, you know they'll they're gonna you know they're gonna try to do the best they possibly can for the respective teams and and that's to win the hockey game and uh, that's how, you know that's the professionalism in them but uh, there will be a little bit a little bit of a tug on the emotional strings I'm I'm sure I you know I can't even imagine that I've never played with a guy for for that many years and uh, that many games and you know achieved the accomplishments that they have in winning the Stanley Cup uh, you know so I, I, again I can't you know I couldn't even speak to. You know what, with what, uh, with what those emotions would be between those guys, but uh, knowing them all, uh, you know, very close. Uh, uh, I'm sure it's you know it's something that'll it'll tug on their emotions for sure.
0: All right, Daryl. Well, I, I, we kept you longer than we probably should have here. Thanks so much for jumping on here and doing this. Hopefully, we can get you on in and around April 6th. That's when the Los Angeles Kings come here to Vegas to take on the Golden Knights. That game could loom large in the seedings. Have a great rest of your day, and hopefully, we can talk to you in April.
3: I look forward to it. All right, keep up the great work over there, and uh, we'll see you down the road.
0: All right, that is Daryl Evans, LA Kings color analyst on the radio. Uh, Great insights on Jonathan Quick and really what Quick's been able to do since coming here and being a member of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're back with more on the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
3: This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to... Big
0: thanks to Daryl Evans for jumping on the program, talking about Jonathan Quick and wetting our appetites for what we hope we see in the playoffs. That's Vegas and Los Angeles. At some point, I don't care. I just want to see seven games of that. I really, really do. Game ratings... One-timers all coming up next, as well as catching up with Chapman, everyone's favorite segment. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show rolls along on Fox Sports Las Vegas.